open your Bible to the book of James chapter 5. We're at James chapter 5 this morning. If you like taking notes, we titled today's message, Misguided Priorities. Misguided Priorities. Now here, all the way up to this point in the book of James, James is encouraging the church who is going through persecution in regard now to a lifestyle that they must live in humility. And as we go to James 5, we're going to dismiss the youth to go back out with Chris so all the youth can be dismissed out with Chris at this moment. James chapter 5, our title today is Misguided Priorities. Now we saw here earlier in chapter 4 of James that he talked about the pride in the church and the cause and the cure for wars. What is the cause for division in the church? The cause is pride. What is the cure now for that pride or for those wars? The cure for that is humility. And he's told us that real faith, notice this church, real faith produces genuine humility. Please remember that. Real faith produces genuine humility. He's already told us that we ought to live a life that is centered around Jesus Christ, a life that is but a vapor, that is here today and gone tomorrow. But now in chapter 5, he's going to remind us that in these last days, before the coming of the Lord, what does God want in our lives? Not what you want in your life, but what does God want in your life today? Ask yourself, what does God want in my life in the days that we're living in today? And here, really, James is going to uh, exhort them here in chapter 5 concerning their priorities. He's going to exhort them concerning prayer. He's going to exhort them here concerning even his personal concern and heart for them because he's telling them not to live for materialism. More and more today in the society that we're living in, we're concerned with materialism, with the things that satisfy us right now, with the pleasures of this life. But he's saying you ought to live in these last days for the things that really matter. What is really now drawing your attention or drawing your affection right now or your devotion? Where is your devotion going to? Your, your affection and your attention, is it on materialism or is it on the things that really matter here? And what he's going to talk about, or what the area of materialism that he's going to talk about is money, is wealth, riches. And how wealth and riches and money can oftentimes stand in the way of our relationship with God and in fact draw us away from the faith. Right? In fact, he's going to tell us that the only way to get wealth, really, is to follow Christ, is to have a heart for Christ, and really not rob ourselves of the true riches that are in Him. Oftentimes, we live for the wealth of this world, but we rob ourselves from the riches of the kingdom of God. The true riches of the kingdom of God. You see, we have to realize that money is deceitful. It, it lies to us. Wealth lies to us. It promises us freedom, but really what it gives us is slavery and we go into bondage. And the only way that you really are free when it comes to the area of money is when that you are not a slave to greed. You know that's the, one of the things that we battle with the most is greed even here in America? It's all about money. It's all about making money. 
There was a, a man who had money problems that said this after hearing people say money talks. This man had money problems. He said, if money talks, the only thing it has ever said to me is goodbye. <laughs> now notice this. There's nothing wrong with being rich. But there are certain problems. Notice this key phrase here. There are certain problems you need to watch out for. You must watch out for, and this is your attitude towards wealth. What is your attitude towards wealth? Are you living to become wealthy? Your attitude towards wealth should be one of selflessness, not of selfishness. That you, you should not live only to make money. Only to make more money. And here he's going to tell now the Christians and the Jewish believers here that are undergoing persecution that they are misguided in their priorities. He's giving them a warning about money to not live for money and that money should not be your number one priority. Now you might say, well, you know what? I'm not in a lifestyle of abounding with riches. We are reminded also in today's text that God knows what you need. Notice this. And He's going to meet your needs so as long as you practice Matthew 6, 33. What does Matthew 6, 33 say? But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for today is its own troubles. How often have we been guilty of worrying about tomorrow? The future. Money. Every decision. We're so scared. We hoard, we greed now. And God's saying, you know what, you might associate and profess a Christian faith. You might even go to church, but your real God is money. <laughs> and here He's going to tell them, He's going to call them out on that. Why do you worship and have idolatry when it comes to these things of money and riches and wealth and keeping? You see, our attitude towards money should not be a selfish one, it should be a selfless one that we use the resources that God has given us for the good of others and for the glory of God. For the good of others and the glory of God. In Mark chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus said, well, what, what it, will it profit a man? Notice, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What will you give in exchange for your soul? See, we've seen in our time, in our culture, in our world, that people have sold their souls to money. They've sold their souls to money, to wealth, to the riches of this world. And he's exhorting the church here in James chapter 5 to no longer worship and trust riches. Don't trust your riches. Don't trust your bank account. Don't trust money. Trust in God. Because if you trust in those things, you're not really living a life of faith. Now James chapter 5 verse 1 says, Come now, you rich, weep, howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. <laughs> Do you see how direct he is with them? Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. They're rotting away, they're eroded. Your gold and your silver are corroded to be a witness against you and you will eat your flesh like fire. You will have heaped up treasures in these last days. Now he starts off here with a warning to the rich. A warning for those that are trusting in riches. You might say, I'm not rich or I'm not abounding in riches, but a warning for those that are ambitious for more money. 
A warning for those that are trusting in wealth, trusting in status, trusting in success. You know what success looks like? It doesn't look like making more money. Success looks like faithfulness. Success looks like obedience for the believer. And this is the second time in this letter where he says here, come now. Notice that in verse 13 of chapter 4, he already said, come now, those of you that think that you can live for your own plans. Come now, those of you that are disregarding God's will. Now he says here again in chapter 5, verse 1, come now. Listen here. Listen up now, he's saying. He just told us the last few verses to depend on the Lord for His will, for His plan for our lives, to trust in the Lord now, to live a life of humility. And he's going to carry on that same theme here in chapter 5, verse 1. And he's saying, come now, those of you that are depending on on money. Come now. Those of you that are greedy in your heart, that are selfish in your heart. Notice what he says. You rich, and he tells them something. (laughs) Weep and howl. (laughs) Cry out in pain and misery now for your miseries that are coming upon you. You see what he's saying here? He, he, he's not condemning them. Notice this. He is not condemning them for being wealthy. But he is calling them out for misusing their resources and even persecuting the poor with them. Are you misusing any resources that God has given you? Because you know the resources that God has given you are only tools now to serve Him, not to serve ourselves. And he tells them this, weep. He says, cry, groan with anguish. And and he describes here in verse 1 a painful expression when you consider your future destiny. When you consider your future destiny. Cry, mourn, weep now. And he's rebuking those men and those women in the church who likely lived independently from trusting God, the rich. Well, we don't need to trust God. We have money. <laughs> you know that the Lord Jesus really called those people out that were trusting in riches and not trusting in Him? Not trusting in the Lord? In fact, they were trusting in riches and they were selfish and greedy. And it, it really speaks to us here as, as Christians that we ought to move on to be mature believers. One that trusts God. That you don't trust in your circumstance. You don't trust in the circumstance that you're living in. You're trusting in the Lord regardless of what state you're in. What did Paul say? Whether I'm abounding or whether I'm in need, I trust in the Lord. Because the immature person, you know what he's going to do? He's going to trust in his his finances. He's going to trust in his wealth. He's going to trust in other people, but he's never going to put their trust in the Lord. And it really forces us to ask the question, who are we trusting in? This is the battle when we have or blessed with riches or with wealth. Notice in Mark chapter 10, verse 24. Mark chapter 10, Jesus says this, Children, how hard is it for those who trust, not those who are rich, but those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. How hard is it for those that trust in money to enter into the kingdom of God? He said, it is easier. Notice how Jesus exaggerates now and gives us an illustration now here for us to understand and have a picture now of of, of what it does or what riches does or trusting in them does to us. And he says this, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. (laughs) 
Now, just think about that picture. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a little needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, the disciples, when they heard this, they were astonished. They said, who then can enter the kingdom of God? If they can't enter the kingdom of God, if it's so hard for them, how will we enter the kingdom of God? You see, the reason why he was saying this, and he after then said, you know, with man, all th- that, that is, it would be impossible, but with God, all things are possible because God works in the heart of them. And the reason why he's saying that is because the rich believed that they did not need God because they were wealthy. I don't really have to trust God, I'm wealthy. I don't have to really trust God, I have success, I have the house, I have the money, I don't have to trust God. And here he's saying, listen, take your attention off trusting in your finances and trust in the Lord. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus said this, and he said to them, take heed and beware, beware of covetousness. Beware of greed, of always wanting something more, of always wanting something else, of always thinking that you need something You know, in Psalms 23, it's so beautiful because the psalmist said, he is so wealthy, if you notice that, because he has a relationship with the Lord. He says here, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not what? Want. I have a relationship with the shepherd, therefore, what he's really saying, I have everything that I need. When you're in fellowship with the Lord, you're not always looking for what else you can have. You're not always looking for what you don't have. Because when the Lord is your shepherd, notice this, you have everything that you need and you live without a want. Are you living with want always? That you always need something? In fact, Jesus said, your life does not consist in the abundance of things that you possess. Always trying to get something new or something else. Your life doesn't consist on that. Your your, your life is not measured by the things that you have near and oftentimes, even the world would say, well, you know what, money can buy you happiness, you know, but it doesn't buy you happiness. In fact, it leads you to a very unsatisfied life, a very empty life, always wanting more and chasing things that are empty. Chasing things that are empty. That's why as we read this verse, verse 1, we have to ask ourselves, what do we value more? Do we value money more or do we value godly character more? What is it that we value in this life? What is it that we really are pursuing in this life? Imagine if we gave as much attention to to spiritual things as we do to material things. Imagine if you had as much attention to detail when it came to your material possessions as we do when it comes to our spiritual life in Christ Jesus. We would live a very much more enriched life in Christ. Because we would be pursuing the things of the Lord. You see that God blesses us for the purpose of blessing others. Do you know that? He blesses us for the purpose of blessing others. He doesn't bless us for the purpose of satisfying our own selfish, self-centered pleasures. In fact, let's turn to our Bibles and put a little note there on James chapter 5 because we will go back there to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Why don't we turn there? 1 Timothy chapter 6. Because he's going to talk about this attitude of greed this attitude of covetousness, but also an attitude of contentment. An attitude of contentment. Are you content today with where the Lord has you, with what the Lord has given you? Or are you in want always? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, he says this, Now godliness with contentment, notice this, is great gain. 
Godliness with contentment is great wealth now. That is true riches where you have godliness, where you have the Lord, and you are content with that. Are you content with that, that you have the Lord, and I'm content in my relationship with the Lord? That is great wealth. You ought to protect that more than you protect anything else. Godliness with contentment is great wealth. It goes on, it says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is very certain that we can carry nothing out. Notice, this is, somebody here needs to hear this. We brought nothing in this world. You're not going to carry anything out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be, what does it say? Content. Notice, can we say that together? With these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich, notice, fall into temptations and a snare or a trap into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in perdition or destruction and perdition. But those that want to live to be rich, guess what? They set themselves up for a trap, for failure. It's a temptation. It's going to draw them away from the faith. I need to make more money. Now notice that. It draws you away now. Notice it says, for the love of money, notice here, not money, but the love of money. What is it? It is a root of all kinds of evil. Why? Because the love of money, you know what it is? It's greed. And out of greed comes every other type of sin here it speaks about. For some, and we need to read this here, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves with many sorrows. You know, oftentimes where we had a relation with the Lord, that we were living a life on fire for God, committed serving Him, but then something came into our minds where we were tempted with making more money. And I've seen this sadly happen so many times where maybe we're tempted to make more money, so therefore I can't serve the Lord anymore. Now I can't give my attention to God now because I have to make money. Now I can't be at church because I need to do these other things. And it starts to get in the way. And notice here, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And because of greed, many have been now pulled away from the faith. They're never satisfied. They're never content. They're always striving and anxious for more. Anxious for things. Now if you go down to verse 17 of 1 Timothy 6 again. Now notice what he says. For those that are abounding in wealth. And it says this, command those who are rich... In this present age. This is a commandment for those that are blessed. And notice this. All of us here are blessed. <laughs> Command those that are blessed in this present age not to be haughty. Don't be proudful with what God has blessed you. You know how you can be proudful? By holding on to it. By holding on to it. It's so sad when we say, you know what? If I give this much to the Lord, this is how much I'm going to have left over. Don't give that way. Don't give thinking how much you're going to have left over because it already belonged to the Lord. Now notice what it says. Command those that are rich in this present age, notice, not to be proudful, not to trust in uncertain riches. It's so uncertain, you can lose it. You can lose it any day, it says, but in the living God who gives richly all things to enjoy. Trust in God. It's, there is more security in trusting God than in trusting in anything else. It says, let them do good. Let them be rich in what? Let them be rich in good works. You might have a lot of money, but do you have any good works? I've known people that are so blessed that God has abounded them, blessed them. And you know what they do? They have the gift of generosity, and it's so refreshing to be around them. <laughs> 
Because they just want to give. They want to be selfless. They want to be sacrificial. And notice this. The more they give, the more God blesses them. Why? You don't want to know because they're a fountain. They're a fountain that God is pouring in and they're just pouring out. They're not, notice this, a drain. <laughs> just give me. I want. Give me. That's covetous. That's greed in our, in our lives. In fact, he says, let them be rich in good works. And this is the key here. Ready to give. Willing to share. Ready to give. Willing to share. <laughs> How many of us are ready to give, willing to share? Right? Growing up, even little kids, you don't have to teach them to say, this is what? Mine. <laughs> you have to teach them to share. But you notice here that we as believers should be one with an attitude, I'm ready to give. If there's an opportunity to give, here I am. Can I share this? Then That's me right there. I'm just waiting for an opportunity to give and to share. I'm not waiting for an opportunity to give an excuse as to why I, I can't give or I don't want to share. I'm ready to give, willing to share, storing up. Notice this, when you do that, you're storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay on hold of eternal life. Where are you laying your treasures? Are you saving them here on earth or are you, are you investing them in heaven? Where are you storing up your treasures? Are you making eternal investments or just earthly investments? We talk about investments. Where are your investments? Are your investments earthly or are they eternal investments? In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 28, it says, He who trusts in riches will, here it says, fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. You want to flourish? Trust in the Lord. We want to flourish. We want to continue growing. We want to flourish now. Now let's go back to James chapter 5, verse 2, because the exhortation continues now. And he's going to tell us here what the result of trusting in earthly riches, what happens, what the end result is. There's nothing more beautiful than to hear the pages of Bibles turn at church. It says, your riches are corroded, James 5, 2. And your garments are moth-eaten. Have you noticed that when you just live for making money, what happens? You don't even know where it goes. <laughs> it's always running out. And notice what he says. Look at the end result of you living for earthly riches. Your riches, what he's saying, are rotting. Your wealth is rotting away. It's corrupted. It's eroded. Notice this is another word. Your wealth is rusting. It's rusting. Because you have misguided priorities. You're living for wealth. God is blessing you and you begin to live for that, for the blessing now. And notice what happens here. Your, your garments are moth-eaten rags. Even what you wear is getting old. Now what is he telling us here? What he's giving in this illustration? That everything that goes through our hands in this life is temporary. It's temporary. In fact, he goes on in verse 3, it says, Your gold and your silver are corroded now. And their corrosion will be a witness, notice this, against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. You know what happens to money? It gets old, but also, notice this, it loses its value. And he's telling them this, the, the, it, money and possessions... And clothing and, and, and materialism is subject to decay, is subject to theft, 
It's subject to loss of value. And this is what he's saying. Not only that, but their corrosion now of, of your monetary wealth, the corrosion of it or the greed, it's testifying against you. What does it mean that it's testifying against you now? It will eat your flesh. Just like it's being corroded now, your gold and your silver and your materialism possessions, just like they are being now corroded, so likewise it is consuming your life. What does greed do? It consumes your life. It consumes your life. Not only that, but it corrupts, it says, against you and will eat your flesh like what? Like fire. What does fire do? Consume and burns your life. Where you are overwhelmed, and guess what? It has takes over now. Because your mind and your heart is for one thing, and it's living for one thing only, to satisfy yourself. Guess what it does? It doesn't let you sleep. It doesn't let you have the joy of the Lord. It doesn't let you be generous. It doesn't let you be blessed. And it, it, it now burns away. Now notice in verse 3, it eats your flesh like fire. And notice what it says here in verse 3. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. The poison of your wealth has infected you now, and you're being eaten alive. That's what he's saying to them. And as he goes on, he's saying, and on the judgment day, you will be held accountable. Now that's what he says in verse 3. And you will be heaped up treasures in the last days. On the judgment day, you will be held accountable. Notice this. On the day of judgment, when we stand before the great throne judgment of the Lord, He's not going to judge our sins because our sins were already judged at the cross. And if we receive now forgiveness through Jesus Christ, those sins have been judged at the cross. But He will judge our works and He will judge our ministry. He's going to judge that. What you did with what I gave you. And on the day of judgment, it's going to be revealed... If we lived our lives now for ourselves in arrogant independence of God, or if we lived our lives in dependence of the Lord. You know what it shows when we want to live for greed? It shows an arrogance, an independence. I'm in love with my things. And I don't let anything get in the way of my things, of my possessions. Do you let your possessions possess you? Or do you use them to serve the Lord? Do you use them to serve the Lord? In fact, what he's saying here in verse 3, where he says you heaped up your, tre your treasures in the last day, he's saying you're living, notice this, you're living as if Jesus is never coming back. <laughs> you're becoming too comfortable with these things. You're becoming too attached. What are you too attached to? That if God said, I need you to give me that, you're saying, Lord, not that. Ask me for something else. <laughs> is there anything that you are too attached to? Now notice what he says here because this is what he's telling us. He's exhorting us to not live for the riches of this life. To live for faithfulness, to live for obedience. I mean, just think about Abraham. In the Old Testament, he was a very rich man, very blessed man, Abraham. But he maintained his faith and he maintained his character. He maintained his faith. He maintained his character. Proverbs 23, verse 4. Write this down, church. Proverbs 23, verse 4. This is important for us. Do not overwork to be rich. Don't overwork to be rich because of your own understanding, because you think you need to do that. In fact, he says, stop. Stop it right now. Stop doing that. Stop overworking to try to gain more for yourself. 
Will you set, Proverbs 23, verse 5, your eyes on that which is not? Are you going to put your eyes and focus on those things that don't really matter? For riches certainly make themselves what? Wings. And they fly away like an eagle toward heaven. You keep chasing something and, and you never arrive now because it's like wings. They have wings, those riches, and they just fly away now. You never attain it. Don't overwork to be rich because of your understanding. Seize. I love in Proverbs chapter 3 where Solomon tells us, Trust in the Lord with what? With all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. And what is He going to do? He's going to direct your paths. He's going to give you direction. It tells us to not be misguided, not only in our priorities, but don't be misguided when it comes to the direction you're taking in life. What direction are you taking in life? What is it motivated by? Is it motivated by wealth or is it motivated by trusting in the Lord and being faithful to Him? Because oftentimes we can be more loyal to wealth than we are to God. More loyal to it. More committed to it. <laughs> now notice verse 4 of James chapter 5. It says, indeed, or listen, the sound of greed, the sound of injustice. In verse 4, listen to the sound of greed or the sound of injustice. It says, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields or those that you hired now who worked in your fields, which you have kept back by fraud. They cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabaoth. Now, what is he saying here in verse 4? Now, listen, you hired these reapers, these field workers, and you didn't even pay them. You ripped them off. You're, going, you're getting wealthy now by cheating other people and by ripping them off. You're gaining wealth by oppression in a very unethical way. Notice this, and defrauding the laborers. You're being unethical when it comes to money now. You're cheating. It's so sad when you hear about Christians, believers, who have a bad testimony when it comes to finances. A bad testimony when it comes to finances. Cheating people. And here what he's saying, look at, listen to the cries of those who work in your fields. Those, those cries have reached the ears of the Lord now. Because you didn't pay them, you ripped them off. And the Lord here, he uses a Hebrew name for the Lord here. The Lord here of hosts. That is the name of God. The Lord of hosts. Or here what he says, the God of angel armies. The Lord who is their defender is coming back to make all things right. To make things, all things right. He's going to defend them. God is going to defend them. It describes here this name, this Hebrew name of the Lord, the Lord of hosts. It describes God as a warrior, as a commander-in-chief of the heavenly armies, that He's going to stand up for those that were oppressed, those poor that were oppressed. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 14, it says this, You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether one of your brethren or one of the foreigners or aliens who is in your land within your gates. Don't take advantage of people because of your position, or because of your status. In fact, don't rip people off. Be a person of integrity when it comes to your finances. You listen to how you are becoming more wealthy by ripping people off, by cheating, or being unethical. Now, notice in verse 5 it says, you have lived 
Now this life you have lived on the earth. Notice what he says here, as you have lived on the earth. In what? In pleasure and in luxury. Describing a life of greed. This is a life of greed that I always want to live for myself, for my possessions, on what I can have, and what I can attain now. You live the life of luxury, of pleasures, very unsatisfied, chasing all the wrong things. Chasing very temporary things that, that really never satisfy. And that's why he's saying this shouldn't be your primary motivation. And he says here, now you live for self now. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. <laughs> now what does he say here? You have indulged yourself in possessions. Indulge yourself in possessions as in the day of slaughter. What would happen to the day of slaughter? What do they do with the sheep? They would fatten that animal just to slaughter it. You're just preparing yourself to be slaughtered now. You are just preparing yourself for a sad ending because you're indulging yourself with the things of this life. How are you preparing yourself for eternity today? How are you treating the things that God gives you? Is your aspiration to live for luxury? To live for pleasure now? Because luxury really can become a vice to a person. And you can become addicted to luxury. Addicted to, to image. And become so addicted that you are consumed now with the pursuit of one thing. Pursuit of pleasure. Because a life without self-denial becomes out of control in every area of your life. And it controls you. It consumes you now. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, we get this encouragement. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Notice what it says here. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world, and the world is passing away. And the lust of it here, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Notice that. He who does the will of God abides forever. Not, not lusting in the, the pride of life, what can I achieve? Or the lust of the eyes, what can I attain? What do I want? All of these things are passing away. They are just temporary. Verse 6, let's read this as he continues with his encouragement and exhortation to the church. He says this, you have condemned and you have murdered. Look at it, look, read does. You've taken advantage of people. You've been taking advantage of the poor. You've killed innocent people who can't even resist you. And the reason why they can't resist you is because they have no weapons of which to fight against you now. And all they could do is call on God for justice. Because it tells us here in verse 6, you have condemned, you have murdered who? The just or the innocent. You've taken advantage of people, but does not resist you. He does not resist you. Now, what is he, why does he speak about this behavior? Because it goes from greed to overindulgence. You're giving yourself over to this overindulgence, over also to the point of doing anything to anyone now to maintain your personal selfish lifestyle. You know what greed does to your heart? It starts to make it so hard where you don't care about anyone else. And he's saying, you've done these things to other people because you don't even care about anyone else else anymore that's what we have to ask the Lord protect my heart from, from loving or the love of money because you know what that does the love of money 
it makes your heart very hard. It makes your heart very hard when you love money. And then you no longer have love for God or love for people. You just care for yourself. Notice what you have done, it says here. It only leads to sin. And God hears the cries of the one who, who He guarantees ultimately. What is the Lord going to do? He's going to right every wrong and answer every injustice. But if we keep our attitude right and maintain our proper priorities, notice this. When it comes to wealth, you're not going to be led astray by riches. You're not going to be led astray. And it's such a blessing when you're not. Because God will use your life and He'll use what you blessed Him with. And that kind of attitude is the kind of attitude that only comes from a work of the Spirit. Only a work of the Spirit can do that. That's what we have to ask. Lord, protect my heart. Protect my heart because I need this cure of, of arrogance in my life. I want it to be dealt with by your Spirit. And we have to ask the Lord, Lord, today, if I'm being arrogant with anything that you've given me, if I'm holding on to, if I'm too attached to anything, Lord, I know that that is arrogant, that is not trusting in you, and I want to put it back into your hands. Because when you put it in the hands of God, you know what God does? He blesses it. We have to hold on to everything with an open hand. So that when God asks you for it, you say, Lord, here it is. You know what happens when you hold on to some things with a closed hand? When the Lord asks you for that, you become very frustrated. You become very angry. And guess what happens? It it comes in the way of your relationship and your obedience to God. Today, I want to give you three different points as we close this morning. Number one, where are your treasures? Where are your treasures? And when I say that, I don't mean in a safe (laughs) at home. I'm not talking about your retirement plan, your 401k, your benefits, your bank account. Where are your treasures today? Are they there? Because if that's where they're at, notice this, you're living for very temporal things. Where are your treasures? In Matthew chapter 6, 19, it says, Do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth. Don't make treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust can destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. Do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth. Where it can get stolen, where it can get oil, where it can lose its value, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves can break in and steal. For where your treasure is, notice this, there your heart will be also. If your treasures, if what you value, if your riches are in the things of God, there your life is going to be. Your heart is going to be there. Your attention is going to be there. Your focus is going to be there. Your dedication is going to be there because your treasures are on those things. But if your treasures are on things of this earth, guess what's going to happen? Your attention is going to be on the things of this earth. Your affection and your devotion and everything that you do in life is going to be centered around those riches. Number two, are you being faithful? Ask yourself, with what you have, are you being faithful? In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Moreover, it's required. It is required, notice this, that stewards be found faithful. Oftentimes we ask the Lord, Lord, I want you to take me to the next season in life. And the Lord's saying, you know what? Are you being faithful with the season that you're in right now? Lord, I want you to bless me, Lord. And if you bless me, Lord, I'm going to just give to you. I'm going to be the most generous person you know, God. And God is saying, what about your generosity right now? 
What are you doing with what you have today? Why are you holding on to too much? Why are you holding on to so much? If our life is for eternity, then why are we holding on to so much? If our life is for the kingdom of God, is for eternity now, why is it that we're so scared to let go? Where are you making your investments in? Are you being faithful now? Are you being faithful? You see, you may possess things, but we don't own them. You don't own them. You may possess them, but you don't own them. God is the owner of everything now. And one of the things that we have to remember, I remember when we came into this building, and, and it was such a big step of faith coming in here, and the Lord reminded me the first day, this is not your building, this is my building. And just the way I gave it to you, I can take it away. Just the way God gave you, He can take it away. But are you being faithful with it? Are you being faithful with it? And lastly, number three, too much is given. I love this here. Much more will be required. Oh, Lord, you bless me with a house. You bless me with finance. You bless me with a really good job. But too much is given. Much more will be required. In Luke chapter 12, verse 40, it says, For everyone, to whom everyone, too much is given to him, much more will be required. And too much has been committed for him. They will ask of him more now. With what God has given you, notice this. He's going to hold you accountable for it. He's going to hold you accountable for it. I love what Paul tells the church in Rome, in Romans 11 to finish. Oh, the depth of the riches. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. How rich God is his ways, his understanding and his knowledge. is past my own human and, and finite understanding he's so infinite he's so rich in goodness do you know that when you gave your life to jesus christ you are in christ now so you might not know this but you are so rich <laughs> you're so rich in the lord you have everything that you need therefore notice this we ought to live with the right priorities not with misguided priorities what are you living for today are you living for right now or are you living for eternity? Can we stand and pray?